Take your Bibles this morning to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we've been going through the gospel of John on Sunday mornings, and we've seen really a, a conflict between Jesus and the leaders of, of that day. And because of this conflict, um, well, what created this conflict really was that they tried to use the word of God against him when really, in reality, they used their twisted version uh, of their view of the word of God uh, against him and what it meant to work on the Sabbath day and what the purpose of the Sabbath day and those type of things were for. And unfortunately, so many people, even in our day, twist and turn the word of God to their views and their opinions and uh, even, unfortunately, oftentimes change the gospel, um, sadly, itself. But because of this conflict, they tried multiple times to kill Jesus. But the Bible tells us that they could not because it was not his time. But as we come to chapter 12, we see the situation is going to, to change. In verse 23, it says, Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come. Multiple times, Jesus has said up to this point, my hour is not yet come, or the Father's hour is not yet come. And now, as he's instructing his disciples and those standing around, he tells them, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You see, it's now time for him to, to suffer. It's now time for him to give his life. It's time for him to die in our place. It's time for him to die for the sins of the world. It's now time for everything that he has taught to come to fruition. His disciples who still did not truly understand what he'd been saying will see now firsthand as he demonstrates the love of God for us on the cross. Last week, we saw Jesus go back to Bethany after he raised Lazarus from the grave, and he's there, and he enjoys a meal with his, his friends. They had a celebration because, well, Lazarus was alive, and, and this was an intimate setting in the home of Simon the leper, and many people came to this meal and to the situation to see Lazarus, to see the results of the miracle that Jesus had, had done, and and they also see the beginning of the events leading up to the death of Christ. It's interesting as you look on to see the response to those there in the house with Christ. We see that some worshipped and some fellowshiped, some served, while others even complained about the circumstances. You know, it's interesting, oftentimes, you know, people that complain, it doesn't matter what's going on in life or how great things are going, they're going to find something to complain about. We all know people like that. Maybe you're that person. And, um, you know, but it's easy in the world which we live in to find something to complain about. I've been in churches where um, there weren't a lot of people and people would complain. And then in that same church, they would grow. And those same people would complain about the growth and all the people that were around. And, and it's those type of people that are constantly, constantly miserable. And can I just say this to you? If you're a complainer, this is not a part of my sermon, but get over yourself. I mean, we all have, listen, we all have trials and difficulties, and not everything's going to be exactly the way that we like and we want it, and, and I understand that. Um, and listen, there's times to complain. I understand that. I'm not belittling that. But if that's our normal go-to is to just be a, a pessimist and to see the, the problems, you know, we could have you know, 20 people saved and everything, everybody's excited about serving the Lord and there's going to be somebody, well, you know, 
I know all those people got saved, but it was too cold in church this morning, and they really need to turn the heat up in that church, and, or whatever, or, you know, somebody sat in my chair, or it was too hot, whatever it is. You know, we, it doesn't matter what's going on and how exciting life is. We just, there's those people that just want to, want to bring you down. They just want to bring you down. My, my favorite line, too, when people complain, this is my favorite line. If you want to use it, you can use it. Uh, when people complain about things to me, I always ask them, you know, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? You know what that does? It makes them mad. And, and I know that's my sinful side coming out of me. Uh, but, you know, the truth is, is we can look at our society and our world today, and we can always find things to complain about. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, who just sang about the victory that we have through Christ, and, and how one day we're going to see him face to face, and we're going to be in heaven, and, and all the glories that come with being a Christian, and, and, and the opportunities we have to serve him and fellowship with other believers, there's so much to celebrate in our life. And there's so much to rejoice in. Just the fact that God is alive and he's still saving people and he's working in us and through us and, and praise the Lord, praise the Lord for that. But there's Judas in the middle of this, worshiping of Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus. There's Judas complaining. Well, why wasn't this sold for, for the poor? The details here in John chapter 4 are found in all four Gospels. Now, the other Gospels will give more details than John does, and I want to encourage you to go read them sometimes. But here we see the focus, really, on four groups of people that John references here. And all of them have a different reaction to the presence of, of Jesus. All of them wanted to see Jesus, but all of them had a different reaction to, to Jesus. And the same is true today in our world. People want to go to church, they reach out to the church, and they all, have, they all have their different reasons. And so the question is, is why? Why, why do you go to church? Why, why, why do you want to be around religious people or church people or Christians? Why do you want to, why, why are we here today? Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you challenge us in our heart and life today, in our walk with you. And Lord, if somebody here today is not a believer, I pray today will be that day in their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Beginning in verse number 12, we see the first group of people, and it's, it's the Israelites. It's really the nation of Israel, the people that are there going to Jerusalem. It is uh, Passover. We see the Bible tells us on verse 12, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast. So that feast is referring to Passover. Passover was a celebration or is a celebration of God bringing his people out of Egypt during the Exodus. And God had told his people to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and the angel would come by and, and those that had the blood on the doorpost, they would be saved and the angel would literally pass over and those that did not have the blood, the firstborn in that home would die. And, and so that event took place and of course Pharaoh let God's people go after that there in Egypt. And each year Israel celebrated this event and people would travel then to Jerusalem for, for this feast. And we see that Jesus had just healed Lazarus and the people were so amazed uh, by this. And there were the Pharisees who were angry and conspiring against Jesus. Um, and then Jesus comes back to Bethany and he has this meal there on the Sabbath. And now it's Sunday and they travel the few miles from Bethany um, back to Jerusalem. And so verse 12 again, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast 
uh, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on a donkey's colt. These things are understood not his, understood not his disciples excuse me, at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, when remembered they that these things were written of him, that they had done these things unto him. And then verse 17, the people again, these Israelites, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. And so Jesus is now there in Jerusalem, and he's, or he's entering Jerusalem, I should say, and there are people that are looking to Jesus, and they want to see Jesus, and they want to be in his presence. And so you find this group of Israelites who gather up these palm trees, and they literally line the street in a parade, waving these palm trees and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we see in the lives of these Israelites is they were not looking for a savior to save them from their sins, but they were looking for physical salvation. The waving of these palm branches were a sign of hope in the nation of Israel. That word Hosanna comes from the Hebrew, and it, and it means give us salvation now. They were quoting Psalm 118, verses 25 through 26, which says, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And so the Israelites were quoting the, that psalm there, and they were wanting right now salvation, but not salvation from their sin. They were wanting to be rescued from their, their present state, and, and they really didn't understand what God was, was doing at that time. They simply wanted to be rescued from the, the government of the day, the oppression that they had in, in the land. They were looking for their Messiah to come and, and set up his kingdom and, and sit on the throne. These Israelites would have known what was going on because um, John shares with us the prophecy of Jesus coming in on the donkey that was prophesied in Zechariah uh, chapter 9. And so they would have known this prophecy and known that, that um, Jesus was coming as the Messiah. But then in verses 17 and 18, it says, you also have not only the other Israelites that came and gathered that wanted to see Jesus, but you have those that saw Lazarus. And saw what Jesus had, had done. And no doubt they were thinking, if Jesus could bring back somebody from the dead, surely he can rescue me from my situation. And how does this apply to us today? So many people come to church. So many people come to Jesus for what they can get materially. We're concerned about our current situation and our current state. We want help in, in life. And we want what they said, prosper us now. We want to be uh, prospered. We want health and wealth. And that's why it's so easy for false teachers to come along and preach a, what we call a prosperity gospel. Because so many people in our selfishness, in our humanity, in our sinfulness, in our pride, we want what we can get. And so listen, if I can have a better life, I'll believe in God. If my life can be more peaceful and not have struggles, I'll believe in Jesus. And so 
somebody will come along and say, hey, listen, give us a few dollars and, and we'll, we'll take, you'll be taken care of. God will bless you and God will provide for you and everything will be great. And listen, that is so contrary to the word of God. And they did not understand what they truly needed. And so many in our world today come to church not understanding what you truly need. You don't necessarily truly need your light bill to be paid, your rent to be paid, food to be bought. What you need is to be saved from your sin. Because see, in your sin, you're lost and on your way to hell where you'll be separated from God for all eternity. And you need a savior. And this is what Israel needed. More than to have freedom from the Roman government and their oppression, they needed to have freedom from the oppression of sin in their life that has made them the enemy of God. But you know, the church has kind of perpetuated this idea in our world today. We were talking to a pastor a year or so ago, and he was talking about some programs, and there was a group of pastors, and one of the pastors asked them, he said, so, you know, when you do this program or this ministry, when are you going to preach the gospel or share the gospel? And our mouths, our, our, our jaws dropped when he said, well, that's not our purpose. We're, we're just going to have this community center and this program, and, and we're going to spend all this money and, have all, and do all these games and, and just have a place where people can gather Listen, if you're gathering together and there's no gospel being preached, you're not a church. You can put it on your sign and you can say you're a pastor and you're, and you're a church, but you're not a church of, of, of the Lord. You're just a community center and that's what you might as well put on your sign. And just have your little programs and activities make people feel good about themselves and go home. And that's what people want in our society today. And that's what Israel wanted. We just want our life to be better. And listen, I'll be honest with you. When you trust Christ as your Savior, your life will be better. Your life will be better. I mean, when you trust Christ, you have forgiveness of sin, you have eternal life. But when you begin to study the Bible and apply it to your life, I'm not saying you won't have problems and trials and difficulties. We know that's not true. But I guarantee you, your life will be better. When you start understanding what sin is and removing it from your life, and you start knowing what God wants for your life and what his will is, and you start living for him. Hey, listen, I, I, I promise you, I promise you, my life is so much better because I know Jesus Christ is my savior and because I try to live according to the word of God. People make fun of me because I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't run around and I don't party as the world calls it. But I guarantee you, my life is better because I know Jesus Christ is my savior. So much better. But the world doesn't understand that because they just see right now in the moment and what they feel in their flesh and what they desire. And that's what Israel, these Israelites were doing. They lined up, Hosanna, save us now. Give us freedom here in this world. And they're so blinded to the truth of what they, what they truly need. The second group of people is the disciples in verse number 16. He says the disciples, they didn't even know what was going on. The, the, the people that were closest to the Lord did not know what was about to happen. And it's interesting, after his death, John tells us, after his death, his resurrection, and he's glorified and ascends to heaven, they kind of get it. They kind of get it. You know, it's when you're raising children, it's kind of, I kind of think it's this way. You know, you're, you're trying to help your children in the moment. You're trying to discipline them and raise them and help them. And they just, man, they hate it in the moment. They, they, they don't like it. They don't like your rules. They think you're trying to spoil their fun and keep them from enjoying life and, and all those type of things. And then like, it's like one day they look back 
and they finally get it. They understand what you were, what you were trying to do. And so for you kids and teenagers in here, your parents love you, and they want what's best for you. And there's a reason they have rules and, and, they, and they, they're strict on you and, and they want to know who your friends are and what you're looking at on social media. There's a reason for all that. And it's because they love you and they want what's best for you. And, and one day, listen, you're not, one day, you might not know now, but one day you're going to realize. You're going to realize. And you're, hopefully you'll be grateful for the protection in their life. I'm so glad for the, the discipline that I've had in my life and, the, and my parents that loved me and cared for me and that. And it's kind of the picture here. They're right with them and they, they don't understand. And you know, so many people attend church just like this. And they sit through and they go kind of through the religious activity of it, of the moment. And they truly don't understand. And they, they go to church, they get up, they walk out and they leave. And then they come back and they, they do it all over again, but we don't understand truly what it means to, to live for God and to serve him. And, and listen, church is not just something we do on Sunday, and my relationship with God is not just something that happens for three or four hours a week, but it's who I am, and it should be who you are. And we should be in the Bible, study the Bible, know the Bible, apply it to us, apply it in our life. That's why the, God tells us to study uh, Study that we might, you know, be a workman that's not ashamed. You know, show ourselves approved. We, we want to know and apply and, and delve in and, 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 and truly seek to, to, to be who God wants us to be. But we have this idea of, like, we go to church instead of being the church. And, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, the, when the light bulb clicked on in their heads, you know, after Jesus glorified, wow, this is what he was trying to say. This is what he was trying to get us to, to see. And now look at how it all came to fruition and how amazing it is. Listen, you're here, maybe you're here today and, and maybe you're a believer. Listen, there's so much more to life as a Christian than just going to heaven. Now I know that's glorious and that's amazing, but God did not just save us so that we can go to heaven when we die. God saved us for now. Listen, I'm saved now. I have eternal life now. And I'm supposed to be living for him and honoring him and serving him with my life now. Let that sink in. And, and we need to figure that truth out. And I think the church would be so much more powerful and we could do so much more for God if Christians would understand who we are now in our life. You know, so many, so many have lived and, and at the end of their life said, man, I wish I would have known then what I know now. I wish I would have served God more, you know, when I was a teenager, when I was a young person, when I was just married. I wish I would have known not then what I know now. You know, in our world today, we, we talk a lot about investments and, you know, retirement. And, you know, there's all kinds of seminars and programs about, you know, about investing and compound interest and all that type of stuff. And if you don't understand that, see Pastor Stein, he'll explain it all to you. And, uh, but, you know, he's, you know, we're constantly telling people, listen, if you'll start if you'll start investing when you're, you know, 18 and 20 or right out of work and, and look at how your money will grow. If you'll start investing as a young person in your 20s and, and early on and just stay faithful. Just stay faithful to invest over and over and over. Just invest. You know, but what, what happens is we look at the moment and we think, well, man, instead of investing this $50 in my retirement, I could really use it to, you know, buy milk or diapers or something like that. Or, you know, and, and so, you know, and we look at the moment and the circumstances and, and we don't have the long view. And so many Christians live their life the same way. 
I'll, I'll serve God later. I'm too busy now. I got this going on, that going on. And, and you know, I'll do more, you know, when I'm 30 or 50 or my kids are out of house or whatever. And, and it, doesn't really, it doesn't really sink in. What a, what a sad state for these disciples to have been there. And the truth is right in front of them. And they don't see it. And so many are like that today. The truth's right in front of us, and we don't see it. We look around the world, and we think, man, the world has it good, and they're better, and man, if I could just have those things here in this life. And we, we, we seek and, and we desire the things of the world. And the truth of the gospel and the truth of living for God is right, right before us. Move on to verse number 19. You see the third group here that want to see Jesus. You see the disciples who were with Christ and had the opportunity to see him. Now you see the disciples, or the Pharisees, excuse me, in verse 19. Therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Now they've been looking for Jesus. They've been putting out word. We want to see him. And the reason they wanted to see him is because they wanted to kill him. They were the antagonist of Christ and Christianity. They were angered at his popularity. Um, this took away from them and their views. And so they wanted to see Jesus. And they're so angry, they even exaggerate in the moment. Notice what it says there. The whole world is following him. The whole world is after him. If we don't stop this, we're going to lose everything. But really, very few people truly believed in Jesus. But you know, they did have a point there. Jesus would impact the whole world. You know, everything about our life, even our calendar, is impacted by the life, the death of Christ. And Jesus has impacted the whole world. But these Pharisees had the opportunity to see Jesus, and they were searching for him, all for the fact that they wanted to kill him. You know, we live in a society that's the same way. They, they simply want to kill the gospel and kill biblical teaching and stop the gospel from going forth because they were angered in their pride and in their selfishness. But for the remainder of our time, I want us to look at the final group here. In verse 20, the Bible says there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Now there were God-fearing, there were God-fearing Gentiles throughout Israel that worshiped God. And they came to Jerusalem to worship during the Passover. And they've heard about Jesus and that he is the Messiah. And they believe this. And so they come to Philip. And Philip goes and gets Andrew. And they tell these men that we want to see Jesus. And so Philip and Andrew go in verse 22. And they tell Jesus that there are these Greeks, these Gentiles, that want to see him. And so then Jesus begins to teach him. Now, we don't know if Jesus is addressing the Gentiles there or if he's addressing Philip and Andrew, and maybe the Gentiles are kind of standing in the background hearing what's going on, but Jesus takes this opportunity to point their attention again to the cross. And he talks about this seed that's going to be planted, and they were an agricultural society, and so they would understand the reference. And he tells them there in verse 24 that a seed or a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, 
it abideth alone. So except it dies, it will not bring forth. But if it dies, it will bring forth. And so Jesus there is talking about himself. And over these verses, there's four things I want you to see about the cross that Jesus is going to reiterate to these followers of his and these people that came to see him. Number one, we see that Jesus is glorified through the cross. Verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So we see Jesus is glorified through the cross, and this really is contrary to the thinking of the world. They wanted him to set up his kingdom. They wanted him to sit on his throne and rule as a military ruler. You know, the world around us has a different view of what it means to be glorified. In our society today, uh, if you have money, you, then you're one to be glorified. If you have fame, um, if you're immoral today, immorality is glorified in our world today. They create websites and apps simply for the, the glorification of immorality. Websites like OnlyFans and TikTok. Who are the ones that are getting followed on these videos? Who are the ones that unfortunately your teens are following? It's those that glorify an immorality and the sexualized culture that we live in today. They, they also glorified in popularity. And, and so that's what our world thinks about today. You are to be glorified if you are popular, famous, wealthy, or even immoral. But what does God honor and glorify? Jesus is telling them, God glorifies sacrifice. He glorifies service. He glorifies love. Because it's through the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus that we are experienced and are demonstrated God's love. And, God, and Jesus says to them, the hour has come that the Son of Man will be glorified. And so you see that Jesus is glorified through the cross. And that's one of the reasons the world struggles. Because they don't see glory in the cross. They see glory in selfishness and pride. The second thing we see here about the cross is that the cross brings fruit. Or the cross brings fruit. Without the cross, there is no life. He says there's a seed that must go into the ground and die. And, and if it doesn't do it, it's not going to bear fruit. And Jesus is talking about his death in our place. But if it does die, it brings forth fruit. So Jesus went to the cross and was placed in the ground and buried and rose again. And you think about the fruit that has come in this world because of Jesus. Think about the fruit in your own life if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. The eternal life that you have. You see, no one in this world has life, has eternal life without the death of Christ on the cross. You see, there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's no, there's no, there's no task that you can complete, that's, no checklist that you're going to do that's going to get you into heaven. Only through Jesus Christ do we have life. And so the cross brings fruit. Number three, the cross then leads to life. Cross leads to life. He tells them there that he who's going to die and he says in verse 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto, notice there, life eternal. 
Life is not about me or what I get or how I am treated, but it's about knowing God. It's about serving God and others. And it's about receiving life through Jesus Christ. You see, most of us are living this life, and, and most people in this world, we, we love our life. And our life is all about us. And so many people, you know what, I don't want to give up my sin and I don't want to give up my lifestyle. And, and if I go to church or, or more correctly, if I trust Jesus as my Savior, I might have to stop doing some things. And this is the conflict here. If you love your life and your selfishness and your pride and you want to stay in your sin, guess what? You're going to die in your sin. But if you're willing to, to give up yourself and turn from your sin and, and turn and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing it's not about you, but it's about Him, and you go to receive Him as your Savior, you will have life and life eternal. And then number four, the cross brings honor. Verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, then notice, him will my father honor. The cross brings honor, not necessarily the honor of men. I know people want the honor of men, we want the praise of men, we want recognition from men. And you know, serving God doesn't mean you will get the recognition from men. But it does mean that you will get the recognition or the honor that matters. And the problem is, is coming to understanding of what truly matters. Coming to the understanding of what truly matters. And that is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that is receiving his honor. See, Jesus is talking here to them about the cross, and they still, the disciples still don't understand it. They still don't realize it. They still don't get it. And so many people, we can talk about the cross and preach about the cross, and they truly don't understand it because we're so blinded by our selfishness. And even believers that know Christ and have accepted him as their Savior, we get so wrapped up in the things of this world and in our own pride, in our own way, in our own honor, in our own glory, we miss sight on what God is trying to do in our life. You see, God wants to honor us. It's not about your talent or your ability. It's not about how great you are. That's what we kind of think in our pride, in our humanity, in our flesh. You see, as great as I might think I am, it means nothing to God. The only thing that means anything to God is the cross. You see, without Jesus Christ, I am dead in my trespasses and sins. I am unrighteous. In Jesus Christ, when I accepted him as my savior, guess what? I'm still the same. But now I have the righteousness of Christ in me. And that's what Christ is trying to get them to understand. If you wanna be honored by God, it's only through Jesus Christ. And you see, Jesus didn't come to, to just give you eternal life and a home in heaven. He came to give you forgiveness of sin. He came to give you his righteousness. He came to give you a daily relationship with God and the opportunity to go into his presence. He came to give you his righteousness. 
He came to give you really a family. To give you a heavenly father. And you see, we have that because of, because of the cross. You know, no doubt, in, in your life right now, the greatest people in your life are your children. Or if you have grandchildren, they're a step above your children. I know that. But your kids and your grandkids are the greatest thing ever, right? Listen, I know there's no greater preacher to my mom and dad than me, all right? There's just no, you know, you say my parents got bad judgment. I understand that, but I'm their son, all right? It's just a reality of life, all right? That's just kind of how we view. I mean, our children, we think they're great. We think they're wonderful. Everybody else sees my flaws. Everybody else sees the flaws of your children. But, but listen, but we honor our children in a way that others don't. I don't understand, but we honor our children in a way that others don't. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, you don't understand. See, that's the thing. Our, we honor our children and we have a view of them that's different than everybody else. And you know, the same thing is true about God. Everybody else sees my flaws, including my wife. I, I know that. My children see my flaws. But God sees me different. Why? It's not because I'm great or he's blinded to my, to my sins and my faults. No, he sees me through Jesus Christ. He sees Christ's righteousness in me. And this is the point of what he's trying to get these Greeks and his disciples to understand. The difference is the cross. The difference is the cross. And you know, a lot of people want to look to Jesus. Hey, we want to see Jesus. We, we want to see Jesus because we want from him. We want him to pay our bills. We want him to make, our life, make us prosperous. We, we, we want to see Jesus because we want to kill him. We hate him. We want to, take, we want to eradicate him. We, we want to see Jesus because only through Jesus can we have a relationship with the Father. Only through Jesus can we have our sins forgiven. Only through Jesus can we have eternal life. Only through Jesus can we have all the spiritual blessings that God has promised us. It's only through Jesus. And Christ says, you know, I'm going to go to the cross. And all these people that want to see me, I'm going to go to the cross for them. And I hope they come to understand why I'm doing this and what I'm offering them. Do you understand that today? You came to church, why? Is it because we have great music? It's because you want to be around people that are nice and kind and are, are glad you're here? Or is it to come and see Jesus and worship him? Come to the Father through him. Listen, if you're here today Christ, and you never accepted Christ, he died for your sin. That's why he went to the cross. If you're here today and you are a believer, listen, he died for your sin, and he's given you eternal life if you receive that gift of salvation. And you have life in him. That should change our viewpoint of everything in life. That's why I love the verse 16. It says, after he was glorified, they finally figured it out. 
and then go through the book of Acts, go through the New Testament. After they figured it out, look at their life. Daily they went from house to house, praising God, worshiping God, preaching the gospel, serving God. These same disciples, after they figured it out, guess what? They were willing to go to prison. They were willing to go and give their own life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they figured it out. Hey, guess what? Before they figured it out, they kind of separated from Jesus. Peter denied Jesus, didn't he? And said, I don't even know him. And, and listen, they struggled to walk with Christ in those last days before they figured it out. But after he was glorified, they figured it out. And it changed their life. It changed everything for them. How, listen, that's why it's so important we read through the whole scriptures. I'm so glad we live on this side of the Bible and we have the whole scriptures because, man, you see the major difference in these disciples and from those three years they were with Jesus till after it clicked in their head. You know, we've seen a lot of people in life that, you know, they're kind of nominal Christians and then, like, one day it kind of clicks in their, in their mind. And you're like, man, you ask them, hey, why, why are you so faithful now? Why are you serving? And, and, and uh, they'll, they'll tell you different circumstances, different reasons, but it'll all come down to this. It finally clicked. I finally understand who I am through Jesus Christ. I finally understand what I have. I, I finally understand God's expectation for me in my life. They finally understood the message of the cross. And man, it changed their life to the point where we're told in the Bible that these people turned the world upside down because it finally clicked. A lot of people, under, they want to see Jesus because he's a good man, because they don't like him, because they want to get something from him. They don't truly understand who he is. Many people sit in churches like this, hear the gospel, they don't understand. They don't understand how personal it is. Listen, God sent Jesus to die for your sin, for you personally. And if you're here as a Christian, I hope that you understand what you have in Christ and what he did for you.